ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Scott Edwards. Scott is an EVP at Fox Entertainment and their head of creative advertising, overseeing the team that brings all of their primetime scripted and unscripted content to market. He is also a UCLA Extension Adjunct Professor and recently received their Excellence in Instruction Award, which is given annually to less than 1% of their faculty. Today, we'll be discussing how to manage and motivate people tasked with producing inventive and engaging work that also delivers business objectives, all while working within a budget and delivering on a deadline. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. One of the most powerful parts of marketing is the quality of the creative work. But a lot of people who work as creatives and then get promoted through their career aren't ever taught how to manage and very specifically aren't taught how to manage creative work generation. Everyone knows that management is a skill, but managing the repeated generation of creative output is tricky. And it's something that you've done done well and actively work to refine, which is why I'm so glad to have you here in conversation, because I'd really like people who listen to learn some things that they can apply to the work they do. So let's start with navigating the creative process. This is work within boundaries. It's commercial creativity. How do you strike a balance between giving your creative team the freedom to explore their ideas and ensuring that the work aligns with the overall purpose or goals of the project. Ooh, that's a lot, isn't it? We're in the field of entertainment marketing. So everyone here that's on the creative team, whether it's audiovisual or design, broadcast packaging, social posts, et cetera, everyone knows the asset that we're generating, while it is great if it's super cool or if it's really unusual or if it's unique or it stands out and all that, everyone knows that's great too. But the most important thing is it has to be an effective piece of marketing. If it's ineffective in its marketing mission or agenda, then no matter how awesome it is, if it's not compelling to cause a viewer to want to engage more with that particular content, a show, movie, whatever, then it's failing its mission. It has a job to do. My my UCLA students know we ask the question, does this work? Because mm-hmm. it has a job to do, right? And so it is to your point, I think you used the right word in saying finding and striking that balance, reminding the team, hey, we're here with a mission, we're here with a marketing purpose. However, not being so overbearing about that to where they don't feel as though they have freedom to explore. And in fact, they're encouraged to fail or try something that's too risky that we have to reel back in a little bit. And that's kind of my job to make sure we take those things that are really pushing the boundaries and bring them into a space where they're still risky. They're still attention grabbing, but they are also effective pieces of marketing because we're not in, I just want to make art and put it on a wall. We're in marketing and that's a different assignment, right? Right. And I think one of the things that's important for listeners to understand that entertainment marketing is really challenging because the product you're marketing is unknown. A show, a film, it's new and unknown. You have a lot of work to do not only engaging people, but explaining what the product is. So let's dig a little into some of that challenge, which you touched on, which is so you're managing the team of people and creativity is dynamic. 
So what strategies do you employ to keep your creative team focused on doing the job while also fostering that innovation? How do you help that? One of the ways we try to keep the team inspired and and encourage the team to inspire each other and inspire us is to ask them to pay attention to what they see in the marketplace that they find effective that they found compelling, that they were really impressed with from not only a creative point of view, but from a consumer point of view, where I watch content too, and that trailer, that campaign, that poster, that whatever made me want to actually watch it. And when we have what we call internal showcases of external work from around the industry, and it's any form of entertainment, it could be a video game, it doesn't matter. When we have those dialogues and we look at something and we talk about why it worked or why it was effective or why someone found it so compelling, that opens up other people's points of view as to what they might try in something they're doing. And it's actually something I, I learned when I was at the agency side prior to here is many times when you had a a trailer assignment from a a studio that was a challenge, that was a struggle, a lot of times we would find the answer would come from an unpredicted or unusual source, meaning this editor over here, he or she are known for their comedy. This editor over here is known for their thriller work or their horror work or whatever. But when you switch and you give a thriller editor a comedy or a feel-good drama and you take the person who's known for their work on musicals or whatever and you give them a thriller or give them something that's very different, they inherently approach it differently because that's not their usual vernacular. So they Mm. bring their own unique perspective. And I, I think giving you a much better and more compact answer, if we can encourage all of our team members to leverage their unique perspectives and apply that lens to the thing they're doing and make a truly safe place for them to have a miss or a failure or something that ends up not going to finish and have that be okay and be encouraged and supported genuinely. Then they'll try something no one saw coming. And that thing that no one saw coming that makes the tro- makes the show attractive, that thing is what will move the needle on a campaign. And I have a couple examples of that if you want to get into it. But I, I think we really have to be mindful that we empower the team to develop their creative ideas in a, in a safe space where they know they can take risks and that will help guide and shape, but we aren't going to micromanage them. We're going to let them do what they do because that's why they're, we hired them because they're good at something, right? Oh, so many things to unpack here. A couple of quick <laughs> questions. How often do you do the showcases of external work? That's a, a fascinating thing, which anybody in any marketing department can do. How often do you do that? How much time do you set aside for it? We'll set aside an hour to 90 minutes and we try to do them quarterly, but I would be remiss to not tell you that doesn't always happen because of our schedules and the workload. How do you navigate giving constructive feedback to your team when something is off without stifling their individual contribution, without putting them into the creative tailspin? Oh my gosh, what a great uh, what a great question and what a significantly challenging exercise for a lot of people. I, I think it is very easy to identify quickly an individual who does not have experience making creative and presenting creative because the way they speak to creatives reveals that. Mm. And what I, what I mean by that is it I was a trailer editor and then I became a producer and then I ended up running a department, moved around a couple of different agencies, ended up over at Fox. And I feel fortunate to have had that particular trajectory because 
I've always been mindful of how I would speak to people regardless. I think that's significant in a workplace, but I'm especially mindful of the way I speak to the creative team members because I know what they go through. I know how much of themselves they put into the work, how much passion they give it and how much they care. And therefore, I'm not going to go in there and blast a, a piece of creative with a insensitive remark or a cavalier note or a condescending tone. Or I don't like that song. Is different than I wonder if we can find a better song to even drive home this point further, whatever the narrative is. And I think if people were to learn something in their journey, if they're talking to creative teams, is be very mindful on how you speak with a creative partner. And it's not because creatives are sensitive. One could argue that they are, but you could argue people are sensitive in general. It is if you take a particular tone or a particular disposition of partnership. Let's say that if if the way I give a note is generally coming from, I care about this project, I care about the person helping me create this thing, and I want to give this feedback to help it be stronger, and I will not give you feedback if I don't think it needs any feedback. And they'll sense, uh, creatives will sense when you give a note just to give a note, which is the worst reason to give a note, right? <laughs> so <laughs> many people do that. So yes, I, I've people. witnessed it. I've been in the edit chair where I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And so it's really important for executives to be self-aware and to function at the highest levels of collaboration and partnership. So when they give a note, the person receiving the note, even though it might be critical, even though it might be specific, even though it might suggest there's work to be done, they know that the intention behind it is to elevate the person and the work, not to control it or be a figure of influence. Those are different, different individuals and different approaches. I wanted to ask about time because there's a certain amount of time. Creative work takes time. And sometimes you're in a situation where you have no time and coping with that. Do you have an answer for that? The time, we have a a well-oiled machine over here. We have a large group. It's very powerful. We're robust because we're designed to say yes. Mm. And it's my responsibility to make sure each individual in their role is competent and competent to a level of greatness, not good or satisfactory, but great, where they can achieve great or genius work. And we don't hire people that aren't good at what they do. And there are efficiencies set up in our workflow that allow us to focus. And I think that's significant. If your team members feel as though they can really dig in on something and focus and get in the zone, then they can generate something on a tighter timeline than when they're fractured attention and interrupted and all that. And we have to have periods of deep work or focus because we generate so much material over a short window. I think empowerment and focus are really important in that narrative. People who struggle, often they're under-resourced. So they're asked to do a lot. There's a point where when you are under-resourced, you know, people get burned out. It's hard. If you don't give your team some sense of balance, some reprieve from the intensity, and if you don't try to insulate them from some of the madness that comes from your internal corporate partners or your showrunners or your producers that are more high maintenance or your development executives that don't think you're marketing it the way they want to market it, if you can keep a little bit of distance there and let them just do what they do, they'll they'll always surprise you with something clever, something unique, something that is compelling that's still different and disruptive, right? That's creating that space. Do you look at every single spot? Do you give feedback on every single spot? How involved are you? No, it's near impossible for me to see every spot you build a team that's rooted in trust, found right. the foundation of trust, respect and, and appreciation and collaboration and all that. I'll watch NFL on the weekends to make sure our spots are playing properly and I don't mind watching it. I'll see something I'll like, oh yeah, that was probably sent to me in an email. And I just didn't click on that link because I was running out of time that week. And this is the third season and it's 
week seven mm. or into this. So it might be an episodic. If it's a launch spot for a show returning, I probably see every spot. If it's a launch spot for a new show, I guarantee I see every spot out of responsibility to the president of marketing and the CEO. If they ask me, did you see this? I have to be able to say, yes, I did. And I also want to be held accountable and and take the hit. If something's not well-received, I don't want my team to take the hit. If something is shown and they don't like it, I can say, you know what? That was my idea. Or, hey, I gave them that note. Let's, let's, we'll try something else. Instead of them feeling like they didn't deliver let me be the one that looks like they didn't deliver and then go back to the drawing board and just focus on, hey, the how work. can I make it stronger? Yeah, focus right. on the work. You had an experience working as a vendor. So when you now are working with external creative vendors, how do you ensure a smooth collaboration and maintain that same level of cohesion and quality with your internal team? What are some of the must do's? With the internal team? Well, your cohesion. You've got yeah. a big campaign. You have vendors. I mean, presumably you're you're teaming with them. Yes, that's a, a significant point. And there used to be a very competitive mindset here. The internal team always wanted to win the bake-off. If they knew an outside agency mm-hmm. were working on the same project, like let's say we have an upfront trailer, which are very significant, they're formidable, and there are a lot of creative efforts behind them. And if I have two external agencies and one internal effort or two internal, one external, whatever. If I have those multiple efforts going, the original disposition here was, we don't want the external agency to win this. We want to do it on the inside so we can say we did that. And I challenged that thinking and I said, let's step back from that thinking. And what if we all agreed on this principle? We want the best thing to be what's out there. We want the best work to be what goes to finish, no matter where it comes from. Can we all agree that the best work, the most impactful work, most compelling, most effective, whatever language is right, that's the work that should represent this show. And if that's what's out there representing this show, that's best for the company because more people might watch the show. It drives viewership, drives ratings, drives revenue dollar, ad dollars and revenue. Therefore, we shouldn't say, I want it to be an internal or I want it to be external. We should say, I want it to be the best work. Now, my goal isn't to win. My goal is to generate the most compelling piece of work, whether or not it's internal, external. And then when the external agency does win the bake-off, quote-unquote, we all agree that's okay. It's for the right cause because the best work is what's going to be out there. I'll get the next one. I'll develop a stronger skill set. I'll find better songs to use. I'll get better at my craft of editing or writing or storytelling or whatever. And so our uh, there's a global mind shift in the way we approach the work as a whole And it isn't ego. It isn't about winning. It's about being effective and teaming up with our external partners and not shortchanging them, not making it where they can't possibly do something great. Mm -hmm. Understanding they're one of our creative partners and they might help us help us solve this great challenge. So when you're selecting the vendors with whom to work with, what do you want to see when you review a creative vendor's reel or pitch? What is it that makes somebody or an agency, one that you want to team with? What is it that you look for? When we review external agency presentations, two main things show up in that evaluation. One, how easy are they to work with? And that's a personality thing. And that can't be controlled. Do they listen when people are saying, here's my challenge? Do they partner with us? Or are they just kind of, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And if you don't like that, or do they have an attitude or tone? There's some, some of them need to be, could be better partners. The Mm -hmm. second thing is, how good is that real? And that's, of course, that can branch off into the multiple answers. How good are they at using music 
to drive a narrative? How clever are they in their editorial to keep me engaged in the visuals? How Mm. good are they at understanding the cadence of storytelling and the inherent build that comes with a three-act structure that shows up whether you intend it or not in a cut? Mm -hmm. And, And how can they showcase that work to us where we go, oh, wow, I can see them doing something for us. And it doesn't hurt if there's some, if there are a few things on their reel that are in the same world as the thing we're going to them for. For example, we're not going to go to an agency that is only known for dramas and thrillers for our next high priority comedy. We're going to want to see on a reel some examples of really smart, well-timed 30-second 15 second, 60 second trailers, whatever for comedy content. So we know they know how to work with comedy because comedy is just challenging as drama, if not more so. So we do need to see that they can work with that art form or in that that discipline. But we also want to know that they're easy to work with. I think a lot of vendors often run into clients who don't talk to them, who get annoyed by by conversation. And that isn't going to get you the best work out of your vendors. No. If you're too prescriptive with your agency, they're like, I don't want to work with this person. They just tell me what to do. If you don't communicate enough, they're like, well, I don't even know what's going on. What happened to our trailer? What are we supposed to be doing? But if you call and say, look, let me give you as much information as I have at the moment. I'll tell you where you are in the process. I'll tell you how your trailer or your TV spots are doing in the testing. I'll give you feedback. I'll keep you in the know instead of in the dark. And when you do that, your agency partner's will work harder for you because they know you actually are looking out for them and you know what it's like to be on their side and wonder what is going on. Don't have them wonder. Don't have them spend any time wondering what's going on. Tell them what's going on so their brain power can be used toward how can I make this piece of creative more effective? What can I do to make this trailer stand out? How do I get this one to be the one they want to build their entire campaign around? Have them focus on focus on what's happening with this campaign and these assets, right? Right. It's exactly that. It's the, we want five spots and then, okay, here are your five spots. Oh, we decided we didn't really want five spots. Right. Or we <laughs> want know? five spots and and I'm, I'm giving you the exact same direction I've given three other vendors. So there's a good chance someone else is going to do this spot as well or better versus, right. hey, I've got three other agencies working on it. I don't want you to do any spots that are like this or this. I've already got those being worked on. Let's give you a fighting chance. Let's come up with another way to approach this. Let's use a pop track. Let's not use any music. Let's come up with something right. where there's dialogue and it's just visually driven. Let's find something that's sound design driven, whatever the unique thing is at the moment that gives them a chance of participating instead of being not really additive. One of the things you mentioned about feedback was the person who gives feedback out of control. And so there are two kinds of questions I have around this, which is when people come up with things that don't square with your or your boss's initial vision, and it could either, it could be right, or it could work, but it might not be the initial vision. And and then if it's, it's good, but doesn't align with the original concept, where do you take it? How do you assess whether to move forward with something that's good? You didn't think of that. How do you determine if it's it's good to move forward or not? That is usually where our marketing instincts would kick in. And it is my hope that every idea I pitch to somebody, uh, which isn't very often because that's not my main role, but if I do pitch an idea or if somebody else on the leadership team pitches an idea, it is always our hope that they take that idea and they they might present it to us, but then they might present the alternate version of where they go, I got your idea, but I put this little spin on it. That's mm-hmm. actually what we're looking for. I think if you are prescriptive in your notes 
and I was on the agency side, I had many clients that were very prescriptive. You do the least inspiring work when someone lays out a blueprint and says, I want to use this song. I want to have these lines. I want to have this narration. I want to use this voiceover talent and I want to have it end on this and whatever. Well, right. Because then you're, you're, it's a menu and you've made them into waiters. Exactly. They're following the recipe and I've written the recipe out to the, to the letter, right? Versus let's take the Killers of the Flower Moon teaser trailer, which was cut by an editor named Tommy Malatesta who works at AV Squad. When he was, when he was asked the question, what creative direction were you given? He said, I wasn't really given any. And Hmm. someone else asked, what do you mean? And he said, well, they just gave me the movie and said, make a teaser. And then they step back because they know his work and they trust him. And I think we have to, as leaders of a creative team, which basically this is an agency inside great uh, entertainment advertising over at uh, Fox, I think we have to be very trusting of our partners in the department and say, no, no, they, they're going to do a better job than any idea I pitch. And, and frequently you will hear in a meeting here, thank you so much for making my okay idea a great idea, meaning they made it a great idea. It wasn't a great idea. It was just an idea. Someone had to make it a great idea, right? Right. Well, related to this is the issue of sort of managing up, managing expectations, pitching the creative day, the idea that might not have been what was envisioned or had in mind up to upper management. You know, you've been tasked with something. They say, Scott, we want, you know, I don't know, the Super Bowl. It's got to be big, big, big this year, more than ever before. And they had some ideas. And you come back with stuff that maybe is different from what they thought. How do you approach presenting a concept that that is persuasive? What are the block and tackle things you bring to that conversation? I would make the recommendation that in that sort of a presentation where you've been asked for to generate a very specific thing, in this case, big, big, big for the Super Bowl, right? Which is a broad instruction, but still that, that happens. If they say, look, I want something epic. I want something that's got some scope or it's got some production value. It looks like we spent a lot of money. Then let's generate that. Let's find a way to generate that. And in addition, let's find other ways to approach this. And so I would make sure to present what they had asked for in our best interpretation of that so that we aren't dismissive of the ask. Of course not. Mm-hmm. But also if we have another way and when we say, hey, you know what? This might be a, a different way to approach this. I know it's not as big and as epic, but it sure does seem smart and clever and crafty. It sure does seem to stand out. It goes against the grain, right? When they had the QR code that was just bouncing left and right as a screensaver during the Super Bowl, that wasn't super expensive to make. It was hmm. just a graphic floating on a screen for 30 seconds and everyone talked about it and it wasn't a production value move. It wasn't a big production. It wasn't expensive, but it was something that cut through and was clever at the time. Now, if I did that now, it might come across as derivative or, oh, I've seen that before. Right. Well, right. Because novelty, doing yep. something novel, by definition, they didn't think of it because it's novel. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> there's an element of that in a creative environment, fostering innovation is crucial. What practices do you implement to encourage your team to push creative boundaries? How do you push them to to dig deeper? I think that one of the one of the ways we do that is we ask for the the language is the unexpected, right? We ask for what's the unexpected sell here? What's the unexpected approach to this particular assignment? And one of the ways it's interesting, one of the ways we get feedback on making sure to take different approaches is what catches fire on social media. You have whatever platform you're on, whether it's a YouTube or a Reels or TikTok, a lot of times there'll be these clips 
of something kind of not that exciting, not that engaging, not that compelling, but for some reason they're charming or they're, they have a nice laugh in the middle of them, or the character seems genuinely perplexed in the scene and you kind of ride with them. And so we get real-time feedback on scene polls that we've made for the social team that goes and crafts them a little bit or puts a little framing device on them and post them. And they'll come back and they'll say, interestingly, this got 20 million views over the past two weeks. Check this out. And we'll watch it and we'll go, wow, we would have never guessed that would catch fire like that. And so it opens up the editorial writer producer team point of view to look at the footage with this fresh set of eyes and say, don't judge it for what you know it to have been. Evaluate it for what it could be. And entertain it as a as a possible asset that you could exploit and not dismiss anything. Doesn't mean every clip's gonna perform well. Doesn't mean you can guess what's gonna catch fire. That's often hard to do. But to just keep their minds open and look at the footage, look at the canvas of the series or the show or the pilot episode, or whatever, and say, what in here would I not immediately gravitate toward at a first watch? But what if I give it a second watch, a third watch, and I start to break it down and see what's in here? And I find these little gems tucked inside an ordinary sequence or an ordinary scene. And then what if I take that ordinary scene and I lift it up and I put it in a 20 second promo or 30 second promo and I let the scene breathe and play. And when I do that, I get pulled immediately into the drama or immediately into the weird quirkiness of this world or in the comedy and I enjoy it and it puts a smile on my face or it makes me get excited or thrilled or whatever. And therefore I assign that feeling to that title. And I I think simply trying new things with the footage you have, to your point, it's a short window and you get this footage and that's what you got to work with. But what are ways we can reshape the familiar into an unfamiliar pattern so it feels novel? And it really is, it is trial and error. It is what I always call working with the clay. It's getting in the edit bay. It's getting at the design station and just playing with the materials and seeing what kind of takes shape, right? The idea that the sculptor isn't trying to actually chisel this thing down to what they want it to be. They're trying to set free what's inside the sculpture and let it say, if there's in there, I just got to set it free and, mm-hmm. and approach it that way. There's something in here that's great. So so you have the team and and you mentioned earlier in the conversation, we let them go because that's why we hired them. Let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. How do you decide that somebody isn't up to snuff? Okay. What is it that you're like, you know what? You may not be ready to play here. How do you identify that? And when do you decide to cut them loose? For the sake of making as as compact an answer as I can, there are two scenarios I can think of where it might be time for them to go be happy at a different job if they're not happy here. One of them is where they are formulaic and repetitive, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And this is common for people that have been at the same place for a long period of time. They're used to using voiceover to drive a spot. They're used to using graphics to drive a spot. They're used to using this one particular library or this one particular artist or this whatever music source. And they don't really put a lot of time into the sound design. And you go, you know what? This feels like a retread. It feels like you're just doing the same thing over and over. No matter what show we give you, you could be working on a Gotham or working on a MasterChef Junior or working on a Mass Singer, whatever. And it seems like you're just kind of taking the same approach to everything. That that monotony or that staleness is not a sign of inspired work. That's a sign of uninspired. The other, and so that that's relatively easy to identify. It just has to occur over a period of time. The other thing can be almost identified immediately, which is where they make something that's so radically different, so unexpected, so disruptive, 
that it's become off-putting. And I have an example of this. Someone came to my office and they said, I want to play you a 30 second spot. And I watched it. I'm head of that creative team. And I said, this is not how we want to bring this show to market. This is the third season, I believe. And I said, this, this makes me hate this makes me hate this show. This makes me hate this lead character. This make me, makes me hate the bad guy. This makes me hate the show as a, as a whole. And when I gave this feedback, and I said it nicer than that, by the way, I said, I'm struggling with this spot because I don't think we're framing this show in its most attractive light, you know, whatever. Their response was, well, I was brought in to do unexpected creative. And my rebuttal to that was, yes, but we're not supposed to repel the viewer. We're not supposed to cause them to never want to watch that show ever. The goal, that was unexpected. It was, well, it is unexpected. That's not the goal. Like we can be unexpected and pull people in, or we can be unexpected and repel people, right? The idea that there's no such thing as bad press is a fallacy. There totally is. And this particular uh, individual was not going to grasp this well enough to stick around. They're no longer here and they're no longer here because they forgot that we still have a marketing intention. We still have a job to do. Well, that's the job to do where we started really yep. was yep. was that. So wonderful to, to wrap then on our last question that if you had one piece of advice for somebody who's either new to managing creative work or they're struggling with it, what advice would you give them? I would advise individuals in the creative space to Acknowledge that everyone in the space is in a leadership position of some sort, because at any given moment, you could be offering a piece of feedback or offering an original idea or giving a thought that could trigger someone doing something amazing. So if you if you hold yourself accountable to these standards of conduct when it comes to being a leader, even though you're not in an official leadership position, but if you are in an official leadership position and you have a creative team or you're working with a bunch of creative individuals, in the editorial design space for for entertainment marketing, I would say it's very important to trust yourself and trust others and create a space where people can feel and sense that trust. Meaning, I put it to my direct reports differently, define the characteristics of partnership that you value the most, write it down. Say, I value clear communication, I value collaboration, I value working together, I value being in the trenches day in and day out versus just showing up when it's shiny. I value these things and articulate what those are, uh, taking blame and giving credit. I value sharing the collective joy of wins or whatever. And then instead of looking for others to bring you that partnership, I would say, these are the things I value. These are the characteristics that I look for in my healthiest and most potent relationships. Therefore, I'm going to go offer those in abundance. And if if one actually has a leadership mindset to say, I will offer that which I seek the most, and I will try to be an example of that in every meeting, in every conversation, whether it's in an edit bay, in a room of 100 people, in a dialogue going down a hallway, I think if we hold ourselves to those standards of partnership and trust, we'll create a much healthier environment where people want to come in. And when they want to come in, they have a tendency to do better work. It's just that simple. I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's my answer. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your insights. It's really great stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this time. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>